And I knew that Louisville was in trouble when, because I thought they'd laid out some pretty solid arguments, at least in their response. And I saw a text message, a, a friend of mine who covers college sports nationally, had developed a relationship with a member of the infractions committee. And he sent me this text message from one of these people and said the, the, the member of the infractions committee was basically like, it's a joke that they're even trying to make arguments. We're talking about strippers and sexual acts and that's it. Like, that's all we need to know. Like, we're going to drop the hammer. We're going to legalize morality, basically. We're, we're, we're going to regulate morality. And that's when I knew that Louisville was uh, in significant trouble. And I think the NCAA still recognizes that Louisville has a really negative stigma attached to it. And I think that makes them an easy target. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow and another Louisville notice of allegations. Those are fun. And so I figured I would have on Mike Rutherford from Card Chronicle to um, take us through all the legalese of the NCAA. Because look, as somebody who covers North Carolina um, and NC State now, they've decided to join the party. After a certain amount of time, you get like somewhat familiar with the NCAA's notice of allegations and the whole process. And you just start rattling off things right away. Like, oh, yeah, they got 90 days to respond and we're going to get an amended in a way and blah, blah, blah. It's super fun. Right. Hi, Mike. I was told we were going to be discussing the 2021 Louisville baseball team, which figures to be <laughs> preseason top five and really, really good once again. So this is all news to me. Now, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm very excited to jump back into the world of Louisville versus the NCAA. And you're right. It's the weirdest thing in the world. If you would have told me 13 years ago when I started doing the website, which is, I know, a billion years in internet years, that I would understand the process of the NCAA allegation punishment process, like every single step and how like UofL's board meets, like what a closed session is, what an open session. Like I know everything about all this stuff at this point and I should know none of it. Uh, if you're a great sports fan, the ideal sports fan, you know none of this stuff and yet here we are. Yeah, it's it's super like, it, yeah, I mean, I've been through this process now with North Carolina. I mean, it's been, God, it's been 10 years since their first, Ugh. 10 years that I've been fixated with this NCAA stuff and, you know, what level violations are and everything like that. Super fun. You um, never forget your first scandal. You never, the you, first one always sticks with you. Dude, and not to get too far off track here. I'm not, I'm not going to, but North Carolina in 2010, like that Butch Davis was still there. They ended up having a lot of really high draft picks. Um, I don't know if you remember this as well as I do, because I was, you know, covering them at the time, but like they were going to open the season with LSU and they ended up suspending like 21 players, I want to oh. say. And it was wild because it was like the week of the game that had happened and everyone was like watching who, to see who got off the bus like it was because no one knew and it was they still almost beat LSU I will never forget it that was one of the wilder sporting events I have ever covered because everybody was like okay they were probably going to lose to LSU anyways and LSU is going to kill them now and they it, they should they arguably should have won the game it was really wild I'm actually in favor of like zero announcements pertaining to like player eligibility or player status just so media members can stand next to the bus with a checklist and just like, oh, that guy's there. Like, there's 73. Like, is Tommy going to get off the bus? Like, that's how it should be every single week. It'd be a lot more fun. It really would be. The gamblers wouldn't like it very much. No, it'd be but, bad. 
but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, and it, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I know I'm not the first to say this. When I heard that Louisville got a notice of allegations, I was like, for what? <laughs> oh my god. That to me, this is the most annoying part of the entire process about how long it takes because like I, the first thing I see is the Stuart Mandel tweet where he's like, raise your hand if you can keep track of which scandal this is. I'm like, dude, can you not count to two? It, it's two. Like there, there yeah, have been two. two cases in the last five years, but because it, you know, because every single time there's a next step taken, it's national news it feels like there are 15 scandals for every one scandal. Like we're going to go through this entire deal when Louisville gives its answer back to the NCAA in 90 days. And then when the NCAA comes back and issues their punishment, like it's going to feel like it's 15 scandals for the same thing that took place in 2017. And honestly, that's the most annoying part of it is people just can't keep track of the timeline. Yeah. And that's something, you know, that's something I remember playing out with North Carolina too, where it was, the two things basically, but they were treated as like, Oh, another thing for North Carolina. And it was right. like, no, this is the same thing. It's just differently packaged now because yeah. And, and it just, it feels like it never ends. And so, yeah. Do you have any more myths that you want to bust in terms of this Louisville in a way? And do you want to just kind of take us through um, what's in it? Well, can we stop acting like Bobby Petrino, the human being is a scandal? Because I feel like that that gets painted, like thrown in there as well. Like everybody's like, well, you know, you look at Louisville, like they had, you know, the the strippers and now they've got the the FBI stuff and they hired Petrino back. I'm like, well, that's, that doesn't count. Like you can't say that. And people like to throw in the Wakey League stuff too. Louisville wasn't the only school that had information on Wake Forest football handed to them directly by Wake Forest play-by-play guy. Virginia Tech did it. Army did it. Go after the troops. If you're going to go after us for that, you got to go after the troops too. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah, they – they. Um, I, I, well, wait. Didn't Louisville find theirs though? Is that the difference, I guess? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was after the Wake Forest walkthrough. Um, like, it, no, no, Wake found that Louisville had their plays. It's even worse. Like, we were even uh, more stupid about it. The Tommy Elrod guy – that's what it was. Louisville assistant Lonnie Galloway. They'd worked together before. So like he hit up Galloway and was like, yo, I've got some info. And they met the, you know, a couple of nights before the game, gave the info. Louisville, I guess, wrote it all down on uh, playbooks and then left it after their walkthrough. And Wake Forest found it on their sidelines when they were That's getting ready it was. for the game. Yeah. Yeah. It was like l- the literal smoking gun. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was no different. It was just they found the thing and they Here's were like, the thing oh. about Louisville, too, with all this. That, that's the latest piece of evidence. Worst cheaters in the world. It's 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 hilarious that Louisville has become synonymous with cheating because one yeah. with the whole stripper gate, they got no players out of the deal. Like th- that's right. the thing that I think everybody <laughs> misses about. Like, well, they they won the national title and they went to the final four, but they were cheating to get those guys. If you read the book, and my God, I did, and I wish I hadn't had to. You read Katina Powell's book. Oh God, yeah, I read Breaking Cardinal Rules when it came out. I mean, you had to read it that night to get ready. It's shockingly Lauren it's not a really deep read you don't have to reread a bunch of pages you don't have to look up a bunch of words it doesn't take a whole lot of time but there are no players that they no recruits that they threw these parties for who wound up committing to Louisville like that's nobody on any of those rosters came there after being recruited and having one of those parties so you you do this whole massively just gross scandal that get you painted in a negative light for the entire world. You got nothing out of it, really. Like you, you got nothing. And then with Wake Forest, you cheat and you just leave the play, but you leave the evidence right there on the field. And the FBI deal, all they got out of it was one practice from Brian Bowen. So again, worst cheaters in the entire world, University of Louisville. 
I mean, I, I will be a little fair to Louisville here, though. They did at least um, win the game against Wake, if I'm not mistaken. They did, they? but it was like super close. And that was when yeah. you know, this was uh, Lamar Jackson. They were destroying Wake. Or No, I take it back. It was a really close game in the fourth quarter. And they had a bunch of meaningless touchdowns. I think that, that game ended up being like 44 to 14, but it was like 20 to 14 with six minutes to go or something. And mm. everybody was hoping that people weren't actually watching that game because Louisville was actually in the thick of the college playoff race at that point. They only had the one loss to Clemson and they needed the style points. But yeah, the, the playbook did not seem to help that much. Yeah, I mean, look, actually teams that were part of Wakey Leak, not to well actually Wakey Leaks, but like they didn't do all that well against Wake, weirdly. And it's not like Wake was a juggernaut at this time. No. Like, I still, I don't care that Virginia Tech had the plays in the 0-0 tie game. It will never taint it. <laughs> if anything, it enhances it for me it as opposed to like, yes, it makes it better. Because that game was such a mess. Like, ugh, I love uh, everything about it. No, it, it 100% makes it better. It's a, it's a perfect add-on. Yeah, and I don't think that Louisville's the worst cheaters. I understand what you're saying in terms of the results, because people were doing that joke with Carolina football, too. It's like, wow, they cheat in their, what, for eight win seasons? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, yeah, but at the same time, I still think, and this is related to what y'all are dealing with, because NC State got its NOA a while ago, actually, I guess because theirs was a little bit neater to wrap up. Um, but Orlando Early being the only assistant coach that was like directly dealing with with <laughs> the money, to me, that's worse. Like <laughs> it, it's worse too, and also the the result of that season for NC State is like they're going to have no problems vacating that. They're going to be totally fine. Oh, with yeah, it. state fans totally joke around about it. They're like, "Oh, you want us to forget that season happened? Nah, just let us keep that Duke win, and we're fine." Like, yeah, which <laughs> it, it also kind of it's been interesting to follow the the way that the NCAA has been punishing programs for the past ever since the commission on college basketball which one of their recommendations was you got to start handing out harsher punishments like you got to start just hammering schools and the ncaa quietly and this is not going to be good news for louisville or kansas or nc state fans the ncaa quietly has kind of been doing that but nobody has cared because the programs they've been decimating have been terrible programs like they vacated three seasons for depaul Nope. Who cares? Like they vacated right. a bunch of seasons for UConn and gave Kevin Ollie a billion year show cause. Nobody cares because those teams were terrible. Like they've been handing out some really harsh punishments, but it hasn't mattered because the programs affected have been so bad. I, I, I'm fully expecting them to kind of continue with that party line and all this deal, but it's going to be different because you're talking about Louisville and Kansas and Arizona and, and LSU and NC State. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens with all that. Yeah, it will be interesting. Just so for people who don't know, there was one level one violation, which is the most serious. Three level twos, I want to say, including one that was basically Rick Pitino's right. uh, level two, which I that's that's interesting because you mentioned the show cause for Kevin Ollie, and I I was a little surprised. I think that because the NCAA has taken out some of the language about plausible deniability for head coaches in terms of what their assistants do. And I don't know if that's if Patino got it in, I guess, under the <laughs> uh, under the time where they changed that rule. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I was surprised that there wasn't a little bit more harsher uh, language directed at him and maybe hinting at the possibility of a show cause for him. I was a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, I, I was, too. Uh, I mean, it sounds like just based on their own language that. You know, there were no they didn't include a, a include a possible show cause order for him. But they did for Kenny Johnson and Jordan Fair, the two former Louisville assistants that are caught up in all this. And that that to me was definitely a little bit of a surprise. 
I will say the one thing that maybe doesn't help Rick Pitino's case is they did cite two aggravating factors that weren't related to the actual uh, level two violation against him. And it was basically like you have an, ag- an aggravating factor is you didn't monitor Andre McGee at all the first time, the right. ops director. And then you hired an AAU dude in Jordan Fair who, I mean, nobody really knew anything about until he became a Louisville assistant. And he's in the hotel rooms in Las Vegas with these shady guys from Adidas. Like that's going to be a tough thing for Rick Pitino. Like I'm fully expecting, I think the, the maximum deal for him, just based on what the NCAA said in this NOA seems to be a half season suspension. I'm hmm. kind of fully expecting that to happen. And if you're Iona, like, okay, like <laughs> that's yeah, fine. Don't like, care. I've got Rick Pitino, like Rick Pitino is going to, would you rather have some no name coaching your program for five years, uh, totally unimpeded, able to do everything he wants to do? Or would you rather have Rick Pitino missing 15 games of the upcoming season and then being good to go for however long? Like, I think that's a pretty easy trade off for them. Oh, for sure. And yeah, I, I I just it's one thing. Right. Like you said, like he had the Andre McGee thing. And it's like I I think it's very plausible. And I've said this before that Rick Petito actually knew nothing because if you're doing it right, you don't. Right. You know, like that's the thing, because a lot of these a lot of fans and stuff, especially like when another team that they don't like gets in trouble, they'll be like, he knew everything. It's like, uh, if he's doing it right, he knew absolutely nothing, but he was just like, y'all do what you got to do. You know? And (laughs) like, it it was kind of interesting. If you read like all the stuff from the, I think the first federal trial, like TJ Gasnola, um, Minishud, like all these guys were basically like Rick Pitino doesn't know anything. I think Gasnola's exact words on the the wiretap when he was talking with Christian Dawkins was, you know, Pitino, he's got no idea what's going on with this program. He's really the only person, the only head coach who's like that, who's just totally in the dark about all this stuff that we're doing. And on one hand, like you're, if you're Rick, you're like, yeah, I told you. On the other hand, like that's kind of the problem here. Like that, that right. that's why you got into trouble the first time, and that's why you were supposed to not get in trouble the second time. You've got to kind of have a better handle on all that stuff. So I'm with you. Like I, I fully think that Rick didn't really know what was going on, but that's probably partially uh, the way it was supposed to be. The one piece of evidence that the NCAA did have that they are, are trying to kind of use as far as like you should have known with the Brian Bowen deal is a text message he sent to David Padgett about how he had heard that DePaul had made this just inordinate offer to, um, to, to Brian Bowen. And they're saying that that text message is proof that one, he wasn't compliant because he should have reported it. And two, he knew that there were offers out there for this kid. And so the whole, like, he just fell into our lap. Oh my God, here's a five-star doesn't really play as well. So it, it's a little bit of a, I think a flimsy argument for the NCAA, but they're going to try to pursue it. Yeah. And I mean, look, if they want to send a message in whatever they do in this scenario to punish anybody, you know, it's hard when you look at Louisville, like a lot of the people that were responsible for any part of this are gone. In fact, almost everyone I think is gone, if not everybody. So it's like, you know, if you want to send a message to anybody responsible, you probably need to look at the person that was actually supposed to be overseeing things when you think about it. Right. Yeah, no, I I think, and that's, if you look at the way that the, like the national coverage has, has responded to this, They've boiled it. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than people are giving it credit for, but they've kind of. It always it. is. <laughs> yeah, and I know when, you, when you're, you know, when you're here and you've been following the whole thing, you see little details that probably aren't going to get picked up nationally. But that's definitely been the way that it's been painted by those people is on one hand, you've got a program that got rid of everybody, has a new president, new AD, entirely new coaching staff, has no players that were caught up in any of this. Like there's no 
there's no remnants of what took place here involved with the right. program. How do you punish that? On the other hand, this is the only program caught up in this whole deal that committed a level one violation while on probation. Like, how right. do you rectify the probation part? Yeah, is, the is probation that. part's going to be tricky. But um, I, I did read the other day that Kansas apparently like they haven't gotten rid of I don't think anybody that was associated with this yet. Like, yeah. So in, in theory, you know, if you're the NCAA, that's, this is going to test them a little bit because basically Kansas is like, come at us. And the NCAA might be like, okay, we will. And <laughs> you know, it certainly I, seems to be the case with the way that they, like, I saw, I read a decent amount of the, uh, the NCAA's response to Kansas that came out on Thursday and it's, I mean, it's snippy. Like, like, there's no question they are upset with the way that Kansas has handled this whole thing. They even have a little note about Bill Self wearing the Adidas t-shirt in that video promoting the the Midnight Madness event. Like, they're, <laughs> they're going to get real, real petty if they have to. The NCAA is, is not playing around with this whole deal. I think the other thing that the NCAA is going to look at as it pertains to Louisville is they're going to say, yeah, you fired all these people and none of the other schools caught up in the FBI deal did. But this was your second round. Like, like you yeah. didn't fire anybody after the Katina Powell stuff. Like, Rick Patino was still there. Tom Church was still there. The university president was still there. You fired Andre McGee, and that's about it. Like, if this had been – if you were in the same position as Kansas or Arizona or LSU, we're choosing to believe that you would be doing the same things that these schools are doing because we kind of saw you do it back in 2015. So, I think that's the way that they're going to – if they want to be overly harsh on Louisville, I think that's right. the approach that they're going to take. Yeah, the probation part makes it tough, but you know, I I do th- I did see that L- Louisville has hired the same firm that North Carolina used um in their successful um standoff with the NCAA if you want to put it that way. And I, the one thing I did think was interesting and I and I'm sure Louisville will challenge this is the language that was used to describe um a booster yeah. in the in the NOA. Um that seemed like a little bit of a stretch. It's the same thing that they did with Kansas. And that was in Kansas's response, that was their biggest pushback was how can you say that employees of one company that are working with an institution are just because of that relationship boosters for the for the official school? And also, how can you say that when a federal court just a few months ago said that these same people that you're describing as boosters defrauded us? Like like that's they I know I know that people think it's ridiculous, but it's just like that right there. Those nuts and bolts, I think that's the most ridiculous part of this whole deal to me is you're going to say that these these five people that, again, the federal government says defrauded all these universities, they were actually boosters for these universities the whole time, and they're still working for them. So I, I don't know. Um, I think that's going to be a huge pushback for Louisville. And if you look at the level one violation that the NCAA laid out, if Louisville's able to successfully argue that these Adidas people weren't boosters and should not be characterized as much, the NCAA's case gets a little bit tough. Like there's not an overwhelming yeah. amount of evidence uh, w- with the whole Louisville deal. The biggest thing that they have is the Brian Bowen senior testimony that he was paid $1,300 by Kenny Johnson, the former assistant uh, in cash to help with his living arrangements in Louisville. Like that's the See, biggest thing that they have. And Bowen senior, I, I, like Johnson's already said that didn't happen. I'm going to push back against this. He's going to have to talk to the NCAA because shockingly, He's an active assistant at LaSalle. Uh, he's got a job, so he's going to have to, to come out and talk about it. And if it becomes a he said, he said deal, I would mm-hmm. assume Louisville just hammers home the fact that, look, this is the same guy in Brian Bowen Sr. whose story was changing all the time during this trial, who once said that Oregon 
offered them a extraordinary amount and then on the stand said he didn't remember saying that like i think louisville would would definitely argue that now the nca could always just say who cares like like we're gonna do whatever we want we're going to take this as canon and there's nothing you can do about it but i think louisville will definitely try to to drive that point home yeah for sure and you say they're bad at cheating i mean cash is smart (laughs) there you go somebody wrote a check yeah he's getting better writing a check for money like that is uh, that was mind-blowing to me when i saw that somebody wrote a check at another school i was like you got to be kidding me but um one thing i thought was interesting and maybe i'm stretching this too much is for me i i immediately thought of some of the implications of some of the name image and likeness legislation that's coming down and where they're saying like boosters can't you know sign these guys to sponsorships and it's like well if you're saying somebody from you know a shoe company could be a like how are you going to categorize booster then if you're going to if you're going to lump shoe company guys in as boosters like who else are you going to lump in as a booster i don't know do you, i don't know if that makes sense right no I, no it absolutely makes sense and it's it, to me it seems like an overly broad argument but the nca they're going to do whatever they want to do which is why i think you're really going to see louisville and probably some of these other schools take their cases to this new um you know the complex case unit i, I think that louisville's going to try to avoid any dealings with the NCA infractions committee, because I think that their sense is the infractions committee kind of has it out for them just because of the, I mean, if you go back to the Katina Powell stuff, I thought it was really interesting the way that Louisville laid out its initial argument, they were basing everything on precedent. And it, it seems a little bit ridiculous now in hindsight, but they were saying, look, Fab Mello at Syracuse, like their case involved X amount of dollars. Like the other cases, like Marcus Camby at UMass involved X amount of dollars. Now look at us, like all these strippers, all this money that was being thrown, it was like $1,800 and, and all. And, and like the NCA responded with, are you kidding me? Like, are you talking about dollar amounts? Like we're worried about the, the moral fiber of this whole deal. And they, they used the word repugnant a bunch of times. And I knew that Louisville was in trouble when, because I thought they'd laid out some pretty solid arguments, at least in their response. And I saw a text message, a, a friend of mine who covers college sports nationally had developed a relationship with a member of the infractions committee. And he sent me this text message from one of these people and said the, the, the member of the infractions committee was basically like, it's a joke that they're even trying to make arguments. We're talking about strippers and sexual acts and that's it. Like, that's all we need to know. Like we're going to drop the hammer. We're going to legalize morality. Basically we're, we're, we're going to regulate morality. And that's when I knew that Louisville was uh, in significant trouble. And I think the NCA still recognizes that Louisville has a, really negative stigma attached to it. And I think that makes them an easy target. So you're going to see some broad arguments like this. I'm not trying to play victim for Louisville. Certainly they deserve to be punished. They've uh, committed, I think pretty clearly some wrongdoing multiple times over the last five years, but I do think that they're going to, I, I fear that they're going to get a harsher punishment than they should just because nobody's going to, to cry for Louisville. If you just destroy Louisville in this whole case, right. Most people nationally who don't look at the, the, the nuts and the bolts and the X's and O's and all this stuff are going to say, good, like, like they deserve, they, they should get the death penalty and the NCAA is not going to get any pushback, which is a, a new thing for the NCAA because right now pretty much every move they make is getting significant pushback. Yeah. So is Louisville going the IARP route? In this, the independent accountability uh, resolution process route? Because I, I know NC State is. I think eventually they will. I know that uh, Vince Tyree, the only thing that we've heard from the powers that be at Louisville was a teleconference featuring uh, athletic director Vince Tyree and the new president, Neely Bendapudi. And I think the, the Tyree brought it up and referred to it as intriguing. 
And I think that when all said and done, my guess is that they go that route. And I know that the big downside for this is there's no appeal process. But if you're Louisville, the last time that you had a bout with the NCAA, they argued in their um, in their appeal. Look, we self-imposed a postseason ban in 2016. We self-imposed all these restrictions. We did all this stuff. We worked with you by your own bylaws. These are supposed to be mitigating factors in your ruling. They weren't taken into account as as mitigating factors whatsoever. They weren't even mentioned. They were supposed to lessen our punishment. And the NCAA responded with, yes, you're correct. That's a right argument. We do say that. We're still not changing anything. So I don't think Louisville cares that much about the appeal process because they successfully argued some stuff last time. The NCAA admitted that they were right and still changed absolutely nothing. So uh, I I don't think that's a, a big detriment or a big deterrent for Louisville in this whole deal. I think they're going to be fine with going that route. Yeah, it'll be interesting to me to see when we nationally as college sports fans start to understand that working with the NCAA is not the route to go. Um, I I think it's been proven time and time again that every time you try to sort of throw yourself upon their mercy or whatever, it does not work out for you. And I think the NCAA itself, it's just so fascinating to me because like when you look at the two North Carolina cases and the way they played out in the first one, North Carolina was like, here, take everything. Take our players' cell phones, which I was furious about at the time. (laughs) I was so angry because they're over here invoking like Dean Smith and the Carolina way and all this stuff. And I'm like, Dean Smith would be horrified by this. Like he would be so, because he's about the the rights of players and like, you're not respecting their rights at all by just handing over that kind of stuff. And like, and just throwing them upon the mercy of the NCAA. I mean, there's a football player at North Carolina that I still think would have gone on to have a really good NFL career. He ended up breaking his leg in their bowl game um, really badly. Deontay Williams was his name. He's one of my favorite guys I've ever covered in 2010. And he missed six games for sleeping on his ex-teammate's couch. Oh, God. Like, like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, when you you work with them, and no one was going to feel sorry for North Carolina, and I understand that, but there are individual kids, whether it's kids that have nothing to do with it at Louisville now, like you're saying, or, you know, kids like Deontay who slept on a teammate's couch like and had to you know he still reimbursed the amount that was supposedly you know but he still missed six games and I mean it's it's insane to think about like you throw yourself upon their mercy you do everything that they ask you to do and they're still like what it is is they need an easy win and they're eager to take them any way they can get them and so when you give them everything when you give them all the information that they want they're not going to take it easy on you. They're going to be like, oh, sweet. We have plenty of information here with which to punish this institution. And I think fans of teams that have been punished in spite of cooperation, they look at teams that, quote unquote, get away with it or whatever and have a little bit of bitterness towards that, mm. which which I get. But it's like you're directing your venom the wrong way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, um, you know, it reminds me of the old like attorney saying, Nobody talks, everybody walks, which is the, I think the one thing that I remember from my one year of law school. Um, but but yep. it's very true. I mean, and I think that's been the biggest takeaway for Louisville fans in the four years since the the last bout with the NCAA is they saw what happened with Missouri, where Missouri was forthcoming and got hammered, Notre Dame, the same deal. And then they mm-hmm. saw the schools that just fought tooth and nail and gave as little as they could and saw that they got off a little bit more leniently. And I think the money quote was from that member of the the NCAA board of directors who, after the Missouri deal, he was asked straight up, you know, do you think that people could look at all this and say, 
that not cooperating or not telling the truth is the right way to go. The, the guy, David Roberts, uh, and he said, you can certainly make that argument, like straight up admitting like the, the, <laughs> the best route to go right now is to not work closely with us. And Louisville fans, the, the thing that they're the most mad about from the first round with the NCAA is how cooperative and how forthcoming UofL was. And it's kind of sad because in hindsight, I guess you can't blame um, Tom Jurich and Chuck Smurt, the consultant that was hired to do with us, because like Chuck Smurt was a former NCA employee, and based on everything that he knew from his time there, this was the proper route to go. And now it looks ridiculous that you would take away, you know, the 2016 NCA tournament with a team that was playing really well. They just beaten North Carolina when North Carolina was number one and looked like they were going to be, you know, a three, four, five seed. To take that away from Damian Lee and Trey Lewis, the grad transfers, seems even even more poor taste in hindsight. And to you know, give away all your stuff and to get nothing in return. I think Louisville fans wanted to hear from the administration that this go round, there was going to be a fight, like this was going to be a battle. And that's exactly what you got from from Tyre and Bendapudi on Monday, and also from Chris Mack and his written statement. Like they all made it a point to say where we in areas where we did wrong, we're going to admit that we did wrong and we're going to take punishment. But if we disagree with facts, like we're going to push back and we're going to push back significantly. And her opening statement, uh, Neely Bendapudi, the president, said, you know, we will not hesitate to push back. I repeat, we will not hesitate to push back. Like they, they have really tried to communicate to the fans that they're they're given nothing this go around. Like it's going to be an absolute war, and I think that that's what the fans want to see. And you mentioned Louisville going out and hiring uh, Mike Glazer. I thought it was really interesting. So Mike Glazer is known for working for the firm, like you said, that represented UNC. He's represented uh, Missouri in the past. He also represented Louisville back in the 90s. Louisville had a case where it kind of spanned over two administrations. Tom Jurich took over, and as he took over, the men's basketball program was already in hot water with the NCAA for um, some car payments for a player. And they were actually banned from the 1999 NCAA tournament. Jurich hires Glazer. This is when he's kind of a younger, less known college sports attorney. And he finds out that a procedural error had been committed by the NCAA. The ban gets overturned. Louisville basically gets off scot-free. And I think a lot of people read that and they're like, well, why didn't we use this guy the last time? Like, why did we hire this Chuck Smirt guy who has become synonymous with everything wrong that happened over the past three or four years? But bringing him back, I think, is a definite message that this time is going to be significantly different than round one. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's a balancing act because I think you can push it too far, right? Like I think USC back in the day with Reggie Bush um, pushed it a little far. Memphis with James Wiseman, although they didn't have a whole lot of leverage in that situation, um, trying to play him even though, you know, in spite of everything that was going on. And then um, also I think you saw that some, you're seeing that some with Kansas and that'll be a really interesting test case because trust me, the NCAA wants no part of, of having Kansas <laughs> miss a postseason. Right. But there, and, and yeah, I think that is part of their language here is like, please don't make us do this. It's like me with my toddler. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to punish you and make you freak out, but like you're giving me no choice. Like, please don't make me take this away from you and have you start crying and whatever. Like, just, just be good, please. Like, and I think that yeah. the NCAA doesn't like to get humiliated. And so like, if you're just out there thumbing your nose at them and saying like, F you or whatever, like they're gonna maybe be a little bit spiteful. But if you're, if you push back and, and you, you make it clear that you're not going to go down without a fight, I think they're a little bit more apt to be like, Oh man, we're kind of in trouble here. Yeah. And this is why, I mean, it, it, you're in a weird place if you're Louisville because you don't want to be 
overly contentious, but at the same time, you were overly cooperative the first time, and you got nothing in return for it. I mean, you got absolutely obliterated. You lost. You became the first program to ever lose a, a national title banner. Um, you basically Which lost Which is your, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, it's just – I understand why Louisville's in a difficult position, but you're right. The NCAA doesn't want to punish these schools, and I think a, there's a lot of misinformation about where the NCAA's revenue comes from. It's almost entirely the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I think the last time that they released their full financial information, it was 2017 or 2018, and 88% of the revenue came from the men's basketball tournament. It's literally Whoa. a billion-dollar event for them. Like th- This is where their, their funds come from. They don't want Kansas to miss that. They don't want Arizona to miss that. They don't want Louisville to miss that. But at the same time, you know, they're fighting tooth and nail this battle of public perception that they've been losing for the past few years. And if you just let these programs that are involved in this really high-profile case walk scot-free or give the, the perception that they're getting off with a slap on the wrist, it's only going to be you know more like, well, the NCAA sucks. Why do we need the NCAA talk? And I think that puts them in a weird place. It also puts Louisville in a weird place. And it's why I think, I, and I, this is maybe just me being paranoid, I feel like Louisville's the perfect target for them, not just because of the past stuff, but because Louisville's a, a big name in college basketball. They've won multiple national titles. They're top you know, 10 all-time in wins, all that good stuff. But they're not Duke or Carolina. They're not Kansas or Kentucky. Like They're not the, the bluest of the blue bloods. And I think right. the NCAA can make a show by saying, look, we're not just going after the little guys. We hammered a, a big guy, but it's not one of their favorite sons, if that makes any sense. And I think that's, yes. to me, as a Louisville fan, that makes me a little bit worried about this second punishment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I, I doubt that they get another postseason ban. I do. Um, I could oh. see maybe them cutting back some other recruiting restrictions and stuff. And that's that's my sense of that, because... They banned themselves once, you know, they they got a national title taken away. Like, I don't know. I feel like that wouldn't go over very well with people, even people who think Louisville should get punished or whatever. I, I mean, it wouldn't go over very well with me. I can tell you that. But I have a little bit different perception, I guess, than some people do about the NCAA. And it'll be it, it's just interesting to me. It's interesting. I, I wonder when fans will finally wake up is maybe the wrong word, but re- realize like you don't have to root for your rival to get punished and then, you know, make excuses when your own team gets caught up in an NCAA thing. You have to realize y- y'all are all essentially fighting the same villain here. I mean, villain is a little strong, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I I wish I had your faith as far as the the punishments are, are concerned. I just it, it's hard for me to foresee Louisville making it through the second round without getting another postseason ban or without if they don't get one. I feel like it's going to have to be overturned on appeal or overturned by merit of their own argument. I, it's just. I, I their status as a school on probation in this whole deal to me is very very concerning. I loved yeah. Eric Crawford, who's a great writer here in Louisville for the works for WDRB. Used to work for the Courier Journal. I thought he had the best idea that I've seen as far as this this whole deal of just punishment is concerned. You know, being that there's nobody here involved in this whole deal, but also you were on probation, you committed a level one violation. He said, "What about a suspended sentence? What if you, you know, give Louisville a three year postseason ban?" but it gets suspended as long as you commit no level one or level two violations. Um, and if you, at right. any point over the next four years, if there is a violation, bam, instantly you're gone from the postseason for three years. But if you're a good actor, you basically get to keep going on as usual. I think that's the, 
that's as good an idea of how to to give a fair punishment with this really weird case as I've heard. I think that that's maybe the best way to do it. I don't think the NCAA would ever be that smart. It makes too much sense, but well, who knows? See, and the, th- the thing is, too, because people do compare these things, right? So if you do that, if you give Louisville another postseason ban or whatever it is, then do you what do you do to Kansas? Because it has to be way worse. They haven't gotten rid of anybody. Right. And so then you have to look at it that way. And then you also have to look at Rick Pitino. And that's where I think the NCAA will take the PR hit because yeah. he's still coaching. And if you only suspend him like half a season or whatever and you hammer Louisville, that I think is where they'll take the hit. Yeah, the, comparing the punishments is going to be really interesting for me because Kansas, on one hand, this is their first round, not like Louisville, their second round. But they had five level one violations uh, in their notice of allegations. Louisville just had the one. I know just had the one. <laughs> Make it sound like, uh, who cares? But uh, Oh, it helps. Yeah, in theory, Kansas should be getting a harsher punishment than Louisville, even with Louisville's status as a quote-unquote repeat offender. And you're yes. right. You would assume that, I mean, Kenny Johnson got hired at LaSalle. And there was like they did their background work and they said, whatever, like nothing ever happened here. How could he possibly continue to work as a high level, quote unquote, high level assistant coach if Louisville is going to be banned from the postseason? How could Rick Pitino have the opportunity to take Iona to the NCAA tournament in 2021 if Louisville doesn't have an opportunity to play there? Like That's not going to make a whole lot of sense to me if that's the way it winds up going down. And I think that's another reason why you're going to see Louisville take this to that complex case unit because they're set up that the entire purpose of that um, complex case unit in theory was supposed to be to take more of a look at individuals rather than overall institutions. Like they're supposed to punish the individual bad actors and not just the schools or the programs that no longer have anything to do with those people. And I think that's a really attractive option if you're U of L right now and you're going to say, look, like we weren't even here for this. None of us. Uh, we, we have no, uh, there's zero blood on our hands anymore how can you possibly just drop a hammer on us right now? And I think that, again, those are the points that you're going to see Louisville just drive into the ground consistently over the next you know, billion years or however long this thing takes. Yeah, and NC State's going the same route. And I think the cases, they're not similar in terms of facts necessarily, but they're similar in terms of, you know, NC State doesn't have any of those people working there anymore. Um, and, you know, they're AD retired, but they have a new AD. And they're, they're basically, that's why I think they decided to go to the, to the complex case unit the, for the same reason is because they feel like that's probably their best chance of getting a fair shake and, and getting whatever they deserve to be because they do have a lot of mitigating factors and that'll matter. And I don't even know what Kansas's mitigating factors are. Yeah. If they have any. <laughs> I do love that. None of us know anything about this, this complex case unit. Like it's 15 people. We, like, we know who they are technically. Like we don't know that much about them. We know that they're attorneys and former attorneys and judges and all this stuff. And still schools are like, I don't care better than the NCA. Like we'll take our chances. Like this could, <laughs> yeah, I don't care if it's a judge of all rival fans, we're still willing to roll the dice here. Like this is going to be, we feel like our chances are better than going through this just excruciatingly ripping your fingernails out process song and dance with the NCA that lasts forever. And we feel like always ends up unfairly. So none of us know how this is going to work. Anybody. That's the other thing that I figured out with this whole deal. You can yeah. analyze every detail you can scrutinize past cases. You can look at precedent. You can do all that stuff. Nobody knows what the hell the NCAA is going to do in any particular case on any particular day. They can do whatever they want. And I, like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Louisville gets 
a 15-year postseason ban and like nobody gets anything. Or Louisville gets off scot-free and NC State gets like a three-year postseason ban. Like, oh, just, God, please knows? don't say that. because You don't it, know. My world will explode. So please don't <laughs> wish that on me. Uh, yeah. It's who knows is really the thesis of all of this. Yeah. Um, before I get you out of here, I did want to touch on this because it was certainly surprisingly relevant um, for a day or two. Um, Josh Graham here is a local host, uh, radio host in the triad, which is where I'm from. It's not the triangle. That's the triad is actually Winston-Salem, Greensboro and High Point. I'm from right between Greensboro and High Point originally. That's the triad. The triangle is uh, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, just to educate y'all folks out there that might not know. And a lot of people that live in the state, especially in even in in the Greensboro, Winston-Salem region will cover three and even four of the local teams. So they'll cover Wake, Carolina, Duke State. Um, I, I, I thought it was funny that a lot of Kentucky people evidently thought that Josh Graham was Wake's radio person or like a Wake <laughs> fan. I was like, no, I mean, he, you know, he'll, he has a lot of Wake guests on because that's relevant in his area, but like not really, um, you know, it, it, is that, a, that, is that as common where y'all are as it is here for like people to cover multiple teams? Um. Not in like the radio realm. See, okay, Kentucky fans are completely incapable of seeing anything through any other prism outside of their own. So, like they see, like Matt Jones is their radio god, right? Like he's their. Yes, it was that was the feud, by the way. It was Matt Jones versus Josh Graham. Which, if you know anything about the radio business or even like sports sports media personalities at all, would be like. I, I, I'm trying to f- think of the equivalent. It would be like if Roy Williams is- issued some tirade against like the head coach at, uh, I don't know, like App State. <laughs> it's so, like, wait, what? Yeah. I mean, but, but so Matt Jones is their guy and he's like, um, you know, he's a fan. He, he's, he's like me, but they see everybody who is like a radio show host for a different school as though they're Matt Jones. Like they just assume that their situation right. is exactly the same. So like I'm the Louisville Matt Jones and, and Josh Graham's the, is the Wake Forest Matt Jones. And like they just, they, they can't understand that this is the way it ha- happens. But I mean, there are people here like the, the Courier Journal reporters and some of the radio show hosts that are objective that aren't fans of anybody like they, they'll cover both teams, but it's, I, I think understandably with the battle lines being drawn as clearly as they are here and with the rivalry being as mean-spirited as it is, it benefits you to pick a side. It, it's really hard to play the middle. People don't want to hear that. People want to hear, you know, I'm a Louisville guy or I'm a Kentucky guy. So when they see, like, hey, I'm just a guy who covers all the schools here, I, I don't think that really processes doesn't compute. for them. It, yeah, it doesn't yeah. compute. Like, they just, they, it, it's completely outside of what we're used to dealing with around here. But I did love that rivalry because as a Louisville fan who has battled, not battled, but who has experienced the obnoxiousness of both their fan bases, which are for polar opposite reasons. Like the obnoxious Wake Forest fans are obnoxious for reasons that are the exact opposite of the obnoxious Kentucky fans. So to be able to like, it's the perfect feud for me to sit back and watch. Like that's just the perfect culture clash. And I've really enjoyed it. It's been great. Knowing Wake fans the way that I do, um, this is thrilling for them. 
Like they, <laughs> I was talking to a Wake fan not that long ago, and you know we were talking about like who is Wake, what is Wake Forest basketball, and there's not. I don't know if there's a super clear answer to that right now. And he was like, you know what? We just want someone to hate us. We have so much hate in our heart for some, you know, other teams, and we we want someone to hate us that way. And so, like, for them to have this moment <laughs> with Kentucky of all teams, and and feel hated by Kentucky fans, I think weirdly has been a real thrill for them. Well, well, you know, <laughs> when you go through Danny Manning, you got to get what you can get. You, you, you oh. take what you can, and a battle over Kentucky. Which, by the way, you lost. Like the kid ended up going to Kentucky a day after this comment got made. Like it's still, yeah, it's fun. It's like 1996, though. You played Kentucky in the Elite Eight. You got destroyed, but at least you played them. You know, at least you played them in something meaningful. So, congrats, Wake Forest, you're back. Yeah, and Steve Forbes went on with Josh, by the way, and was basically like, he said something along the lines of like. He was trying to re-recruit Olivier Saar, um, who interestingly I was hearing was going to leave if Danny stayed. Um, so I thought that was all strange the way it played out. But you never know if those rumors are true or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying basically like, you've been at Wake for three years. He was an academic all-ACC guy his sophomore year. So clearly school is at least somewhat important to Olivier. Um, you know, why would you want to leave and, and get, you know, not get your degree from a place like Wake, who, by the way, has super rich boosters. People don't know this about Wake. I know I've said this on this podcast before, but it's true. And it's partly because their graduates are pretty successful <laughs> when they get out of there and make a lot of money. Um, but and why would you want to, you know, throw that away and get your degree from a place like Kentucky? That's what Steve Forbes said. Uh. And you know, that is, um, I get why it rankled Kentucky fans a bit, but at the same time, if you flip that conversation the other way, I think it's just as reasonable to say, if your dream is to play professional basketball, why would you, if you could choose between going to Wake or Kentucky right now, you would absolutely choose Kentucky. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was a throwaway. The argument works both ways, right? Yeah. And, and Steve Forbes was shooting his shot, you know, and he got a little sassy. And I think, it's something that big picture Wake really needs because while I like Danny, they needed something like that. They needed some energy, some some sass, maybe even for lack of a better word. Like just well, that's kind yeah. of I mean, that's who Steve Forbes is, though. Like he takes yeah. these. I noticed. Yeah, he he takes these kind of shots that are mostly in jest, but also based in truth. Um, he's like Buzz Williams in that regard, like not afraid to say it, and I think that that's a, a good thing. And Kentucky fans. Look, nobody takes a slight and turns it into you know, like the biggest deal in the world more than Kentucky fans. They made Rick Bird, the nicest guy in college basketball history, apologize to them after he made some throwaway comment about Kentucky not being what it was. And this was when Billy Gillespie was the head coach there. So Kentucky quite literally quite, Kentucky quite literally was not what it had been. And Bird was just trying to use like Kentucky, like he was saying, like, you know, we get kids that want to go here and not to the places like you know, Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky, or at least what Kentucky used to be. And this is when Kentucky was was on their way to the NIT, and UK fans just completely flipped out about it. And like, this is what and they, they didn't do. like him either. Yeah, they they don't like anybody. Like they like they just and wait till they find out that Olivier Sars from France. Like they're they're gonna flip out about it. They're not gonna. It's not gonna sit well with them. They don't like the French. Like it's gonna be. They gonna, don't like the French. No, they don't like anybody who's not from Kentucky. So they're gonna they're gonna ship him <laughs> back to Wake Forest when they find out what happens. But uh, I I joke kind of. Um, but that's just. <laughs> 
that's who they are. It's what they do. And Wake Forest, you know, they're going to play up the academic superiority. That's who they are. That's what they do. And again, to me, it's been the perfect feud to follow. It's, it's made my week. I've had a good week, even with the nose of allegations coming down. I was totally, I was, I, Josh is, uh, you know, I see him around a lot. He's, he's covers so many events around here. He covers the Panthers too. Like there are very busy media members around our state that will cover like Wake, Duke, State, Carolina, the Panthers. Like it's pretty wild. Or sometimes even the Hurricanes throw them into the mix. Uh, not a lot of off nights um, when all those seasons are going on and he, he hustles around and gets everywhere that he can. And um, I was in a way I was very happy for Josh because I was like the fact that Matt would like take time out of his like show and, and, and even to just to tweet about Josh was like, th- that's a huge win for Josh. Honestly, like even, even if Matt won the war of words, which to be honest, Matt usually is pretty good at that winning the war of words like it doesn't really matter no one knew who josh was beyond <laughs> our little you know neck of the woods everybody knows who matt is basically i i it, it's a slow time of year i get it but he gave josh uh quite the signal boost there i love that you're like you're talking about josh graham and he's covering a billion different sports pro sports college sports and then on the other hand you've got like us here in kentucky where we're just it's college basketball, 365 days. Like we, we're talking about how the walk on, how the last walk on of the team could fit into the new offensive scheme and all this stuff. So, if it's a basketball conversation, like UK fans are going to be just ready and, and willing to go. And meanwhile, poor Josh Graham has to cover this and also talk about like the Panthers draft picks and stuff. So it's a, it, definitely different worlds here. Yeah, it, it's very different worlds. But I was I was fascinated by the whole thing, and um, you know. Good for Josh. Maybe he got a few new listeners out of the deal. Shout out to Josh. Maybe, maybe Louisville fans will will tune into Josh's show from time to time. Just yeah, to, sure. a, Why not? Show, a show of solidarity. <laughs> oh, it's all... It, we, we Yeah, we just don't have a whole lot to talk about right now. Let's be honest. So. No, it's been fun. Uh, I, I've enjoyed following that feud just because, yeah, there's nothing else going on. And I'm not going to watch a three... I don't care how bored I am. I'm not going to watch a three-hour NFL schedule release. I'd, I'd rather go back and listen to KSR this week and Josh Graham's show this week and just fully bathe myself in a few that I have nothing to do with. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that the Schefter tweet just, I almost sprained a muscle in my eyeballs rolling them when he was like, yeah, we're going to get the three hours of coverage and the schedules and ultimately hope. And oh, my I was God. Like, oh, my God. I was like, dude. Come on. The draft, I don't know if you watched the draft, but like the lead up to the draft was very much like they showed all the healthcare workers and like hopeful signs and things like that. And then like they they tried to tie that in with like draft hope and like hope for your team, which it's a little stretch, but I get it. I see what you're doing. Fine. You know, that that does kind of seem synonymous, but like you're literally just releasing a schedule of dates. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> also like even the draft stuff, it's like yeah, it was a stretch. Here's all the healthcare workers. Like, let's sing. Let's say, here's Jennifer Hudson singing, and then here's a live shot of Cliff Kingsbury living in the Parasite House. Um, like <laughs> with this billion dollars. Like that's it, it. It felt a little bit. I don't know. Un- yeah, I know unnatural to me. It definitely was, but at least I was like, I was like, okay, I kind of understand what you're doing here, and I don't think you're saying that these things are the same, but you're just trying to make a narrative tie-in here. Right. Okay fine but like no you are releasing an aspirational schedule of dates and when i look at that schedule of dates i can't help but think i mean my panthers are playing supposed to play in la in week i think three and i'm like that's not happening no 
No. Like, is so as, as hopeful as the draft pick might make you for like, hey, maybe my team will be better in the future. I don't look at the schedule being released and go, oh, this means NFL games will be played because I'm not so sure about all that. And also everybody, every team in the NFL tweeted out their schedules an hour before this show started. Like I got on Twitter and I'm a Lions fan. God love me. And like, oh, de- oh, uh, dear God. Yeah, I know. I don't we, we don't need to get into that. Like, that, I can't say anything. Yeah. Well, the Lions had had tweeted out their full schedule at like 715 and the show was set to start at eight. And I'm like, OK, cool. I don't have to sit through three hours to see who yeah. the Lions are going to play on Thanksgiving. Let's go beat the Texans. Um, and in a game that, like you said, probably not going to happen, at least as it looks on paper right now. Hey, my team plays your team this year. Let's and get I- it. That's, that'll be gross, and I'll be mad during the whole thing. But well, it's whatever. maybe the Lions will win and cost themselves a top two draft pick because that's what we do. We uh, oh, that's what we do too. We they hit, summing up. A, <laughs> this is how I can sum up being a Lions fan. In September of this past year, when we had actual hope, the Lions choked late and tied the Cardinals, and we all thought this tie is going to keep us out of the playoffs. Four weeks later, we all thought this tie is going to keep us from getting Chase Young or a top two pick. And it's exactly what happened. Uh, they ended up getting the three pick. And um, yeah, it's just they're, they are constantly inventing new ways to shoot themselves in the foot. They're also, and I found this out last night, the only NFL team that has never drafted a Louisville player. So there you go. Really? Well, <laughs> yeah. before I get you out of here, I do want to say that I'm very sorry for all the Louisville fans out there that have to watch Teddy Bridgewater behind our offensive line and worry about his health and safety constantly. I'm very sorry in advance. It's not my fault. Well, I have. it's going to be bad. Were you, he had a bad offensive line in Minnesota. And look, it's Teddy. He's still, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but he is the greatest human being in the history of this world. No, I love Teddy. Or any I other was... world. And I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm just excited that he's a starting quarterback again. I mean, I'll say this. The one thing that it gives me is that I don't have to watch Kyle Allen play quarterback and the uh, what they've been come to be known as the Panthers version of Ford F-150 Twitter uh, <laughs> talk about how much better he is than Cam Newton. Um, so I don't have to deal with that anymore. And so for that, I'm thankful. But I just I like Teddy a lot and I don't wish what the Panthers are right now upon anyone that I like. And I just, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll be excited that I can watch a quarterback play that I like and enjoy watching, but it's just, I don't wish this upon him at all. Teddy will make it, it work. I'm just telling you, Teddy's going to make it work. I believe in Teddy, Teddy magic. We also, you got Reggie Bonifon there too, the, the former caller yeah. who played quarterback at Louisville after Teddy left. Um, There's another Louisville player there too. I'm trying to remember who it is. I, yeah, no, I, I know that. Um, I, I think it's it an was, offensive lineman. Or I think is it, it was John Miller, maybe Jamon Brown. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was John Miller who okay. I I heard Matt rule talk up on like a press conference or whatever. And they were like, yeah, our new O-line coach loves Johnny Miller and blah, blah, blah. I Google him and they're like, he just got cut by the Bengals. And I'm like, oh, yeah. kill me. Yeah. Oh, kill yeah. me. <laughs> he okay. Was, he some good years with the Bills. He'll be fine. It's going to be okay. Oh. Louisville's taking over. Louisville's going to, to cradle Carolina in its arms and guide them safely to like a, a solid six and 10 record. Oh, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want six wins. No. No, no, no. Oh, God. I don't want six wins at all. This is going to be so bad. Uh, all right. Well, I'll get you out of here on that then. And yeah, sorry in advance, Louisville fans. I- I'm so broken, though, that like when I saw Teddy went for like a 74 mile bike ride. I was like, Teddy, don't cut weight. Gain weight. You will need it for your survival. Please do not get skinnier. Like, oh, God. He's got those skinny knees. Uh, the draft status. 
our center allowed the highest pressure rate in the NFL last year. So that's fun. You're not making me more excited than I was about watching Carolina Panthers football this year. Uh, Please, you know what? I wouldn't, you already have to deal with the Lions. I wouldn't wish this on you. Our left tackle is Russell Okung, who was coming off a pulmonary embolism, I believe. Oh my God. Well, we had some uh, offensive lines at Louisville. He, he still made That's true. We were good. <laughs> that's true. All right. Mike Rutherford, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, at Car Chronicle on Twitter, carchronicle.com for Louisville coverage. All that good stuff is over there. All right. Uh, until next week, everybody. Bye.